Welcome to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where I share inspiring stories of ordinary people who walk out God's Word and discover radical results along the way. friends, welcome to episode 28 with Jessica Honiger. I really had so much fun talking to Jessica. Now I have fun on every episode, but this was especially fun because I really didn't know Jessica well before talking to her. Even though I knew about her company, Noonday Collection. In fact, I have some friends. I'll shout out to uh, a couple of my friends, Rachel and Rebecca, who are in Noonday Ambassadors. I didn't know much about Jessica personally. And as Jessica's story unfolded, I knew that she was a woman with so many of the same heart passions that I have. Jessica is an adoptive mom, and she also has a heart for helping women in poverty. Like me, Jessica felt a tug on her heart, asking her to take a huge step of faith. For Jessica, it was starting New Day Collection. And like me, she also discovered an amazing community as she took those first steps of faith. Noonday Collection's goal is to help rise people out of poverty by employing them by creating beautiful artisan products. Now, here are some statistics. Currently, they have over 2,000 Noonday Ambassadors, and Noonday Collection has not only brought stable employment to thousands of people around the world, they've given away over a half million dollars to help fund adoptions, bringing forever families together. And this has happened in seven years. You'll be encouraged by Jessica's story, which just so happens to include pawning off her own jewelry to fund this vision right at the beginning. You'll also be awed by how God brought a community of women around Jessica to walk this journey with her. Jessica says, you may feel alone now, but I promise you, you won't be alone for the journey, especially if you reach out your hand and allow someone else to take it. My hope is that by the end of the show, As you listen to Jessica's story, you'll have the courage to rise up and walk out all God is calling you to do so that you can witness God's people also rising up and coming along beside you. Now, here's my interview with Jessica. Well, welcome to Walk It Out. I always love connecting my audience with uh, people that just have a heart for the world. I know my life changed when I traveled for the first time overseas and just saw the needs of so many people. And I love when God just takes those needs and brings people along that's going to roll up their sleeves and get something done. So um, let me tell you a little bit about our guest. It's Jessica Honiger, and she is the founder of Noonday Collection. And Jessica, welcome to Walk It Out. Thank you. You so excited. I love talking to world changers. So I I'm excited to get to spend the next 45 minutes with you. Yeah, it's so great to have you here. But um, for those who may not heard much about you, I'm sure they've heard of Noonday. I don't know who hasn't heard of Noonday. But just personally, just can you just tell us a little bit about your family? Absolutely. So I have an 
awesome husband who is an introvert and a servant and really wants to be the one beneath my wings. And I, we've been married for 16 years. We met actually when we were living overseas for Food for the Hungry International. So we spent our first year of engagement in a really non-traditional situation, living in a tiny little village. And when we moved back to get married, I was shocked that he liked to watch football. And he was shocked that I like to shop because (laughs) neither one of those things was available when we were living in a tiny village in Guatemala. So we had quite the learning curve after we got married. And within a few years of marriage, got pregnant with our first Amelie Rose. She is 12 years old and she is a typical firstborn spitfire, runs the household. And then a couple years after that, we had Holden who is my sweet peacemaker who gives me back rubs and tells me I look beautiful more probably than my husband. (laughs) And then our third, we decided to adopt. I had Holden was quite the large child. He was about 11 pounds and I had a home birth. So I was like, I don't think I want to do that again. (laughs) And also had obviously um, traveled a lot and been a lot of places and just always wanted to be open to however God would grow our family. And as we prayed about that, we knew we were supposed to grow our family through adoption. And so we brought Jack into our family when he was a little under three. And he is from the beautiful East African country of Rwanda. That is so awesome. We have a lot of uh, people from our church from Rwanda. I don't know if you've heard of um, the organization Bridge to Rwanda. Yeah. So, yeah. So the founders go to our church. Oh, yeah. I think I met them when I was in Rwanda a few years ago. Isn't it? Um, does, is it edu- educational, like mentorship? Yes, absolutely. So they bring a lot of young men over and they go to college here in Little Rock and mentor them and uh, just build up leaders that will go back and strengthen their country. Oh my gosh, that gives me the chills. Like I need to like drive up to your church with Jack and let him feel at home with all of these wonderful older Rwandans. Absolutely. And my son, he's my youngest adopted son is seven and he just loves them so much. There's one, especially he sees them and just takes off running and jumps into his arms. So it's neat to have, you know, I mean, they're college age young men just in our congregation. They're loving on the kids and connecting with everyone. So yeah, we have a a big Rwandan connection there right in our church. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I've met the founder. He's a a spitfire himself on a couple of my trips to Rwanda. Yeah, it's awesome. I just love people that just see a need, whether it's Bridge to Rwanda or you just see a need. And before I jump into how it began, I would just love for those maybe don't know what has happened with Noonday, tell us a little bit about just what's going on with it today. Yeah, today. So we are a socially responsible fashion brand and we are creating meaningful opportunities for people living in vulnerable communities in 13 different countries around the world. We partner now with about 4,000 artisans that impacts 20,000 family members in their communities. And then we sell our product through a fabulous group of women here in America. I know you know some of them, so you can speak to their fabulousness. And they are our social entrepreneurs, our Noonday ambassadors. And we have almost 2,000 ambassadors in every state across the country. And I think we've had gosh, over 50,000 trunk shows over the years and have given almost half a million dollars towards uh, bringing family forever families together. And it has been about a seven year journey. And it's been quite, quite the journey. 
You know, it's just amazing. Like you just said seven year journey. I mean, seven years is not that long, especially for building a business. It's so huge that God's, I mean, it's obvious God's hand is in it. So seven years ago, I would just love to hear like where you were when it started. And could you even have imagined where it would be today? Yeah, you know, it is crazy because I do, I have always had that bleeding heart. And it it was never really that bleeding heart of, I think there's service-oriented people that are naturally very compassionate and they want to stop for the person on the side of the street. I think I was a little more like raging justice seeker and wanted like to change the entire structure of of poverty, you know? <laughs> and which I think caused some angst in me because I thought, well, gosh, I, I have this heart for the poor. So I should probably go be a social worker or a teacher or a nurse. And I actually started pursuing those routes. I started off in social work in college. And after that, I went on to get a master's in education. I mean, girl, I know you homeschool, but let me just say, nobody wants me homeschooling my kids. <laughs> I, I was like, why did I go get the teaching degree? I don't know. Um, but I think that, you know, for me, really discovering that business could be this pathway to creating meaningful and sustainable opportunities to help others rise out of poverty. I just wasn't exposed to that growing up. And I mean, honestly, it wasn't really a thing, I think, until um, social impact brands came on the scene, like like Tom's and other brands that kind of started creating a path. And I think seven years ago was the very beginning of that path. And uh, we were in financial need. We had decided to adopt our little guy, Jack, from Rwanda. And as you know, the the that can be expensive. And financially, we were going through a really hard time. The real estate crisis had hit Austin and we had been in, we were in real estate at the time and literally were beginning to live off of fumes. And knew I needed money, knew that I needed to start some sort of side hustle. And through sort of a crazy set of circumstances that can only be God, got connected to some friends of mine that were living in Uganda and wanted to create an artisan marketplace for some of the artisans they'd been working with. And they had put this, these people to work, Jolly and Daniel, and they had gotten beautiful things made, but they were sitting in storage in America because they hadn't really thought through the marketplace piece or, you know, their church had done a couple pop-up shops and then it just kind of flaked out. And they still really believed in Jolly and Daniel. They just had no desire to build a business in America. And they said, listen, why don't you sell these things and see how it goes? And honestly, I don't think I would have done it if we would not have been in such a financial need. I say that courage cornered me. And I think when courage corners you, you can either, you know, scooch down on the corner of that wall or you can stand up. And I think because Jack was just, I knew that we had a son waiting for us in Rwanda. There's only, only thing I couldn't do was stand up and, and walk forward and move through that fear of starting this, this company. So I invited a bunch of women into my home and they fell in love with the product. And that's the night that I realized, okay, this might not just be a one night deal. And I texted my friends the next day and said, Hey, like this product sold really well. Thank you so much. And they said, why don't you use the money you earned last night to reinvest and buy more product from Jolia and Daniel and let's see if if you can make this a business. And I think it took me a couple weeks of to process that where I where I eventually said yes and opened up a Western Union account and 
pawned off some gold jewelry at a pawn shop in order to fund the first website and started sending money sight unseen to a couple I had never met in Uganda and just crossed my fingers that necklaces and bracelets would arrive. (laughs) And they did. And now Jolly and Daniel have over 100 full-time artisans that are working for them. You know, there's so many amazing things in there. And, you know, first of all, I think, because you know, I've been to um, Kenya and Nairobi, Kenya, in the slums of uh, Kibera slums. And, you know, you just see the need and it's so great. But the amazing thing when you talk to people is they don't need you to just give them more food. They want jobs. Like, they want to work. They and it's, you know, I went to an orphanage. It was called Fruitful Orphanage there. And these kids had made these necklaces. And I just like bought almost everything that I had because I'm like, these are amazing. And these kids are just working on stuff because they want and they were so proud. They would come up and say, I made that one and I made that one. And, you know, they just want people to appreciate their work and they want to work. It's not like they want handouts. And so what I love about what you're doing is you're employing these amazing people that are producing these fantastic products. And if you want to, as you're listening, just go over to look at Noonday Collection. I mean, they're beautiful pieces, but they just want that that work. And I love that, you know, you were willing to risk. Another thing I love that you said is the community came around you and said, you can do this. And I think so many times we just almost get caught up in our head and have all the concerns and all the worries. But, you know, we need those faithful people around us um, to say, okay, we're we're here to support you. And I just love that your community did that for you. They did. And I think so many of us stay in our heads and stay stuck in that fear. And we never even give ourselves the opportunity for our community to rise up around us. And so many of us aren't askers and we are afraid that we are going to either have to oh, return the favor or that we're a burden or that we're going to be perceived as too much or desperate or whatever. And when we stay bound by that fear, then we never get the reward of walking in collaboration and in community. And when I say, you know, my community showed up for me, listen, I, I didn't know a lot of these women. I mean, I had women bringing friends. I put it out on my neighborhood listserv. I had neighbors come that I had never, ever met before. So I think it it isn't like I had some huge community at the time. I honestly, if you would have asked me back then, I probably felt a little bit lonely. And I mean, in fact, I have... Uh, one of my dearest friends, her friend had a just devastating stroke a few years ago and she can't, um, still can't talk now. And it really was this pivotal time for me about five years ago because I saw how so many of her friends showed up for her and she had such a support network to walk her through this stroke and, and still does. It was this moment for me of like, what kind of friend was she to have those kind of friends show up for her? And I was like, I'm going to go start doing that. I'm going to build that. I'm going to be that. And so I would say now my community of friends is actually much richer than it was seven years ago. It's been such a joy. So you might feel alone now, but I promise you won't be alone for the journey, especially if you reach out your hand and actually let someone else take it. And really, you just need one person to start. That's Um, it. I'm I'm thinking of when I first wanted to start writing, I was I was 22. I was uh, had two little babies at home and a friend in the nursery she was working on. She mentioned to me that she was writing a novel and something inside like, I want to do that. And this is in, you know, 1994. We went to our first writer's conference, just the two of us together. And I mean, talk about, you know, here's this 22 year old with two babies saying, I'm going to write books someday and do all these things like 
those dreams that God plants in our hearts are there for a reason. And just one person to walk alongside you makes a huge difference. Absolutely. I always tell all of our ambassadors, it just takes one person to say yes. One person who's like, I'll open my home for you. That's all it takes to start a business. And I think sometimes we want, of course, we want an outcome of success, but we, we have no control. I mean, we, we, okay, we can influence success. We can influence an outcome, but we can't control it. And that is frightening, but that's also where the joy is. And you know, you don't know what's going to happen. But if you just have one person that's committed to your success, then trust me, it is always a domino after that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, hearing you talk and you talk about, you know, going and pawning your gold jewelry. I mean, you had some initiative in you. I'm curious, was it there as a child? Did you see that there's something inside looking back now that had that faith? Or is it something that God grew over time? You know, I was really blessed to, in the eighth grade is when I went with my Presbyterian church at the time. And it was my church. I grew up in San Antonio and it was a downtown church and they were so committed to social justice. They started the first homeless shelter in San Antonio just because they were locationally, um, you know, they were, they kept themselves proximal to poverty and to need just by where their church was located. And then they had a commitment to, you know, serving the global community. And in the eighth grade is when I went and served alongside a church in inner city, Washington, DC. And that is really where I was struck by the juxtaposition of privilege and poverty and opportunity and injustice. And that was visiting the inner city that was just two miles from the White House and getting to know people that had been in a more of an oppressive system that was really set up to keep them dependent upon the system. And I think I heard this woman who had been recovering from drug addiction and was getting her life back together. And we were sitting in the seventh story of her apartment building while she's singing Amazing Grace. And I have, of course, I had sung Amazing Grace before, but I'd never heard a woman sing Amazing Grace who had actually been through toils and snares like this. And sweat is beating from her brow and she's filled with with passion and with love. And I look out the window of the seventh floor and had heard that it was the largest opener drug market in the country. And I think that was when my life forever changed. And I thought, I've been given incredible privilege. I've been given incredible opportunity. How can I use my life to then create opportunity for people like this woman? And it took me years, I mean, like 25 years (laughs) to actually see how that was going to come to bear on the world. But I took steps, always was taking steps, whether I was working in real estate, whether I was doing midwifery in Bolivia, whether I was doing interior design, working at a jewelry store. I mean, you name it. And I may have done it like my life in my twenties did not make any sense. And I had a lot of angst, but through it all, there was that thread of, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep seeing like where I'm supposed to kind of make use my life to make an impact. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what we all are. I think women don't own that because they think that they're small. They think that their voice isn't enough. And then they, they live these small lives, but I mean, nobody's small. 
Nobody's small. We're all born with a voice and we're all born um, with this ability to help other people use their voices. And so I just think that that experience in eighth grade and then same church went to Kenya, just like you went to the Kubura slums. And that is where I was exposed to social entrepreneurship for the first time. And I was walking along with um, one of the, the Kenyan brothers showing us around and there was a brightly colored fruit stand and a woman was running this fruit stand. And my Kenyan brother explained that it was a microcredit loan that enabled her to open this fruit stand and now sustain her family and get out of an abusive marriage. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me uh, for a long time, just realizing, gosh, a microcredit loan of between 20 to $50 was able to change the course of her life. And went on in college and ended up majoring in Latin American studies just because I loved Latin America. I loved other cultures and loved liberal arts and sort of the exposure that got me to the world. And then eventually I remember going and hearing Ben and Jerry speak, the founders of the ice cream. And I just remember them really sharing about how business could be a force of change in the world. And so, you know, of course, looking back, I can tell you, oh, yes, there was this perfect thread. But I'm telling you, at the time, it felt messy. (laughs) It felt angsty. And I had no idea that it was going to lead to noonday. You know, I I really didn't. But I'm I'm so thankful for all the steps I took. And I just really want to encourage people to take those steps, you know, because I think people do think, oh, my gosh, I got to take a leap or it has to be this big company like Noonday. And it it doesn't, you know, you just you're not going to find your path if you just stand still. You're only going to find your path if you're taking these little steps along the way. Absolutely. And what I love about that, too, I remember when uh, we just had three kids at the time and I just felt as they're nearing their teen years and, you know, they get caught up and you know, the movies and the music and the clothes. And it's like, we need to get them out. And we lived in Montana at the time. We need to get them out in the world to see like, there's more out there. And we end up going on a mission trip to the trip to the Czech Republic, which is not in poverty. You know, we're in Prague, this huge city, but walking along with my teenagers, I said, you know, if you look around here, almost no one has heard about Jesus. Like, there's there's less than one percent of Christians in the Czech Republic, and I said everyone here needs to hear about Christ. And just getting them out and getting them to see the needs of the world, I think, is so important. And I love that's the age, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade, in high school, where we're kind of getting our view of the world and how we can impact the world. And I just think it's so important for these teens to, you know, go on mission trips and see the needs of others. Um, it makes a huge difference. And now my daughter, who's, her birthday was yesterday, she just turned 26, is a missionary there. And she lives in the Czech Republic and teaches English and, you know, leads uh, young adults in these weekly Bible studies. But that just gets stepping out of our comfort zone. And I think so many times as Christians, you know, we say we believe in God, but do we believe that God is going to be there when we take the steps of faith that you're talking about? So I would love to hear just how has your faith journey changed as you've been willing to like, okay, I'm, I'm cashing in my gold jewelry. I'm going to do this thing. How has God changed you in this process? You know, it's, I just love this about the Christian journey. It is signing up for transformation and sanctification. And I love that it's always moving, that life is this river that we get to step into and that the Holy Spirit is constantly growing us and changing us. I think for me, I love Jesus and spent a lot of time 
just in my prayer closet before noonday, like the years before noonday. And I think there was some fear in being able to step up and do something career-wise. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and she was an awesome stay-at-home mom. And I also grew up in the South where there was a narrative that that's the path that a woman should follow. And I think it's not like that was told to me. Actually, my parents, they're the ones who are sending me off to Africa when I'm 15, you know, but it was more by example. Okay. My dad's the entrepreneur and we are really our whole family is formed to help my dad's be successful. And some of that's just my mom's personality. Quite frankly, now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, that was just, that's just kind of how she is. Um, But as a little girl who grew up with a mom that kind of kept a little quiet and didn't want to rock the boat. And here I am not built like that, but not having a model of then how to show up in the world in the way that I meant to show up. And so I, I would say my journey with Noonday has been so much about me receiving my calling and the approval that God has over me. And I remember when I was at a real crucial crossroads after about a year at Noonday and we knew that, okay, this is either going to sink or swim. Are we going to keep moving forward? I was about to go to Rwanda finally to get Jack and was either going to fundraise or borrow money or find a business partner, just didn't know what, and started meeting with people. And one of the people that I met with was Travis Wilson, and he's actually my current business partner. And we met, we had a few coffees together and I was just reaching out for mentorship and unbeknownst to me, he was going home and praying with his wife. Like, I think, I think this is it. And so he, um, after about a month said, Hey, I'm, we're ready to live off our life savings account in order to see if Noonday can really turn into a scalable company. Are you interested in a business partner? And it was one thing for me to take a risk on myself that first year and on my reputation or sell my gold jewelry or whatever. But when someone else who has three children says, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to cash it all in on this bet, (laughs) this vision is going to work out. I, that was when I was really uh, afraid. I think as women, we don't want to disappoint people. We don't want to let other people down. And I, was praying this one day and I was so afraid of success. I was afraid that, um, I would stop being obedient that what if, what if someday Nunu was so successful, it landed me on a stage. It landed me on podcasts. What if I became an author and I was all about me? I was so afraid of that. There was just nowhere in my faith paradigm where, oh my gosh, Jesus would be like, go be big in the world, girl, do it. That's my calling for you. And I was praying and the scripture in Ephesians just jumped out at me. You know, you are God's workmanship. You're his poem. And I have created works in advance for you to do. Go do them. And I just felt in that moment, God said, this is the work. This is the work. And I went later that day to meet with my potential business partner, Travis, and a kind of a business coach that we were meeting with to help us hash through if this was the right thing. And this business coach who I had no idea had a faith paradigm. He, I was telling him, I was like, I'm, I'm afraid of success. 
and, or I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm just afraid. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? You are God's workmanship created in his image to do good mm-hmm. works. And I thought, okay, thanks. <laughs> Thank you, God. You know, I think I needed to give myself permission. I think my whole life I'd been wanting other people to give me permission. You know, dad, can you give me permission to go do something big? Mom, I know that this is what you're, you know, can you give me permission? But you know what? The only one who can give us permission is God and ourselves. And I think that day is the day that I, I signed my permission slip with God as my witness and have been able to now move into my identity. And, you know, I think about the garden of Eve, um, Garden of Eve. Yep. That's what it's called. <laughs> Garden of Eden. I bred my bubble before I promise. And I just love the story of the beginning. I just, it's, it's probably my most favorite story in, in the Bible because it's before everything, um, sin entered the world and God initiated the world through work. And I see him as this entrepreneur and this architect and this builder. And then he created Adam and even his image. And he said the world was good, but he didn't say it was very good until Adam and Eve came into existence and they were workers in his garden and work is good. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I love that that is the story of the beginning of the world. And I think getting to step into that has been really such a huge transformation for me over the last eight years. Um, so yeah, I think, I mean, and just leadership, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's, it's beautiful, but it is, it is constantly, I, I mean, I gotta, I gotta grow faster than my company. You know, I need to be a leader that can lead, um, where God's taking us. And so I think there's always the learning curve there of, um, humility and growth and receiving feedback and being able to understand how I show show up in the world for other people and ways that that can change to reflect and align more with my values is, is it's pretty constant, especially right now. It's been a little brutal lately, but, but it's good. And what I love about that is, you know, you talk about how just believing in God, like that he had the good plan for you. I love in Psalm 139, you know, he created us in our mother's wombs and, and he knew the plans he had for us. And now the ripple effect is that you can look to these artisans and said, God has good works for you to complete. You know, you can look to the ambassadors and saying, you know, God has good works for you to complete and you're helping um, through this amazing uh, business them complete the good works that God had for them too. And, you know, connecting people with the heart for the world here, you know, in the United States or wherever your ambassadors are with the artisans that need to know that they matter and that their works matters and that God had plans for them too. And I think, I mean, this is, this gives God glory. And I think I love how, you know, you were worried about, I don't want to be too big, (laughs) but instead God is big because we get to see his hand all over this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Yeah, I think that when we rise up and walk in freedom and own our voice in the world, that it creates space for other people to rise up and use their voices in the world. And gosh, when we all do that, we're going to just be singing on stages. You know, I mean, we're we're not going to be hindered. We're not just going to be talking. We're going to be singing with our voices. And I think that that is really the storyline that I love being a part of and that we're all invited to be a part of that storyline is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. 
Now, your new book is Imperfect Courage, which I'm, I saw that title. I'm like, that is the perfect title. I just love that so much because God calls us to be courageous, but we are imperfect on the way. Um, how did you come up with that title or how did you feel that really resonated with you for this book? You know, when I think back to that day, I was telling you where I was on my prayer chair and God gave me that word from Ephesians. I really wanted to stay on, stay on that chair. And I thought, I'm not ready for this. Like, I need to be perfected. I need to stay in this prayer chair and be sanctified. And I'll just start praying more, read my Bible more. And and then, then there will be a point of arrival where then I can go henceforth into the world and start this business and let this person take all this risk on me. And that is absolutely backwards. And it is perfectionism at its most dangerous when perfectionism is telling us to stay seated, stay seated and stay, stay small until. And the until is just a lie. It's a lie. There's no eventually. The eventually exists in our minds. And I think that when I was able to realize, you know what? I am going to freaking mess this gig up. And I might end up on a stage someday and I might end up finding my identity in the crowd sometimes. Like all of my worst fears, when I was able to realize that they actually were going to happen. And in fact, that's why the cross exists. The cross exists because I'm going to mess it up royally. And we're called forth into the messiness and into the imperfection and and so I think that helping people to realize that courage, I feel like, has gotten this. I mean, lately it hasn't. I think the last few years, thanks to Brene Brown and Gary Haugen and many others who have kind of dispelled this myth of courage. But I think I grew up thinking courage is Martin Luther King and courage is the firefighters who ran into the buildings at 9-11. And I had this very, I guess, unicorn perfectionistic vision of courage. But we're all called to this courageous path. We're all called to um, either, you know, look at our fears in the face and decide you don't win. And don't be more impressed with your ability to sin than you are impressed with the cross. And that's where that's where God shows up for us, right? It is on the cross and being able to constantly just repent and follow. And I love that you brought up perfectionism because I think that is like the one thing that keeps everyone sitting in their prayer chair or sitting on their couch or not moving because you know, when I get this, or when I can achieve this, or when I'm this way, or, you know, we always think, and I think our society, especially American Christians, we know more than anyone has ever known. Like, we've studied the Bible, we've been in the Bible studies, we've been in the, we've heard the sermons, we listen to the podcasts, we know enough. Um, and, and we're not going to be able to change until we take those steps of faith. And then we realize like, oh, wait, this is harder than I thought. But Jesus is right here. He's like stepping along with me and he's there and I can turn to them and he's my support. He's my mercy that's new every morning. He is there. And I think so many times like we we think we need to know more. We don't need to know more. We need to step out more and we need to do more. Absolutely. And I love that you brought this up because um, I have a this my podcast going scared and I interview people from all different backgrounds because it's really about courage and social entrepreneurship. And I've had, you know, Buddhist on the show and business people and all sorts. And what I find is that people that aren't Christians 
at all might even be walking in more freedom than a lot of Christians. Because I think that we are so inundated with, we're so much more willing to listen to a podcast than we are willing to pray. We're so much more willing to, you know, go call our friends and text our friends on all the text strings that we have going than we are to recognizing I've got a negative mindset right now. I'm not setting my mind on things above. I think that the practice is where you grow the muscles. I mean, it's, you know, same with 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 athletes, right? It's it's in going to the gym that you build the muscles, that you build the endurance. And, you know, I love, I mean, I am such a reader. That's why I wrote the book because I have, benefited so much from other authors. And I want to serve other people with my story and with my words at the same time, like it is the practicing of it um, where we grow the faith that's going to give us the life of victory and freedom that we're all longing for. Yeah. And I love that you brought up the word freedom um, because it's, you know, Christ says it's with him that we find our freedom. Um, it's not in the rules. It's not in the regulations. It's not with anything except with Christ and to realize that, yeah, I will mess up on this. We're, we're probably not going to do everything perfectly, but we can walk in freedom with him. And I love that you are, you know, looking, I love how you said you're taking, you know, stepping one step ahead of all the ambassadors. I mean, you're, you have to lead. So for those who may worry about, okay, maybe I want to take those steps of faith. Um, but if it's just me, I can handle it. But leading others, what encouragement would you have to someone that maybe feels called to mentoring or leading or um, having employees with the business? You know, we all have influence. We all have influence. And I think that it's owning our impact. Each one of us has an impact on other people. I mean, that's just real. So how are you going to own your impact on others? How do you want others to experience you? How do you want to show up for other people? And I, it's interesting because I just led a group of ambassadors to Guatemala and we started off the first day with this activity where I said, what do you need to surrender? What do you need to just surrender in order to experience this week in Guatemala? What do you need to receive? What do you want to receive on this trip um, that you can take back into your life and into your business? And then what do you have to give? What do you have to steward? And a lot of women said later, I didn't know how to answer that. What do I have to give? I think we're so busy looking at what other people have to give. We're comparing our gifts to other people. And let me tell you, it is powerful when you're able to realize I am God's workmanship. I'm his poem, it says in the original language created in his image to do good works, which by the way, I've already been prepared in advance. That is leadership. You know, leadership is being able to recognize that you are a leader who can, it creates impact on other people. I mean, simply put. And so it's just a matter of how do you want to use that impact? And, you know, I love being able to own that we have something to give when you can own that and then you start giving it. And that's when you start growing that that leadership that you talked about. Yeah. And I know a lot of your ambassadors are moms. And, you know, the one thing I always say is that we tell our kids, like, God has good plans for you and he has big dreams for you and take these steps of faith. 
but then we don't do it ourselves. And the best example that we can be is the one that's going to take those steps of faith and be bold for God and showing our kids, this is what it looks like. Follow me in that. Um, and in, unless we're taking those steps of faith, our kids are not going to see how they can do that for him. And so we're kind of hindering not only ourselves, but the people that we have influence over, like you mentioned. Yeah, it's crazy how much more willing we are to be compassionate towards our children and call our children up. And yet we would never talk to our children the way we talk to ourselves. And yes, I think that there is. I mean, the analogy has been used one trillion times, but the oxygen in the airplane, you know, you've got to put on yourself first. And, you know, I think that's when uh, we can really start to grow in our leadership and our impact and influence. Yeah. So one of the things that you talked about um, when you had those fears, when you're sitting there in your prayer chair is, you know, what if I'm going to be on stage or what if I have to write a book, but now you've done it, you've written the book, you imperfect courage is out there. Was it different than you imagined? Writing the book or kind of building sort of this realm of influence? Yeah. Writing the book. Oh my goodness. Ooh, writing that book. Let me tell you. I mean, you know, you know what it is. And you know, it, it was a beautiful process and I'm so grateful for it. it. The challenge of it was just, I didn't take too much time away. I think that's this misnomer when you hear about people writing that they like go up to the mountains in the cabin, right? And just go write. And of course, you know that that's not true. And I mean, I guess I knew in my head that wasn't true. But then in the reality, when I'm taking, you know, three hours to write and then running to the office for meetings and then, you know, the kids and all of those things. Um, But yeah, it was a, it was a really, gosh, I mean, it was just a big celebration for me because I just got to look back on life and especially on the last eight years. And I mean, to be able to have a story to tell now of impact in the world like Noonday has, I mean, what a joy and honor to get to be the the bearer of that story. And I think that's one of the best things about writing. It's almost like a mix of personal therapy as we're processing things. But then also, like you mentioned, it is a celebration. It's like, look what God has done. And it takes us, you know, in our busy lives, we often don't pause to think about like, oh, look at how God has been working. And like, we kind of know it. But I think when we do take time to write and to share our stories, it just makes a huge difference. So I'm so glad that you did that. Um, and I've already started reading Imperfect Courage. I can't wait to get more into it. And um, I just just enjoy how you also share um, kind of going back where where you were, and then you kind of will move head ahead to what's happening now. And it just gives us a glimpse like this is what God can do. And if if someone, uh, if God can do that with Jessica, he could do it with me sitting here, wherever you are. So I just want to encourage the listeners today to pick up a copy of Imperfect Courage. And I just, um, I'm so thankful for you taking your time today to be here, to talk with us, to share about us. Um, so if people want more information, where can they find you online? Thank you so much, Tricia. It's it's an honor to hear that from from an author. So I really, really appreciate that. An author and an adoptive mom. So so many things in common. And 
Gosh, you can find me. I mean, my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. I mean, you're going to, and I, let me tell you, I do my Insta stories quick and dirty and it's very imperfect over there, but I love building a community over on Instagram. You can also find me on Facebook at Jessica Honiger. And then my website is jessicahoniger.com. That's two G's and one N. And that's where you'll find uh, where all the places that are selling my book. Uh, you can find that on my website. Yeah. And then also um, Noonday Collection. They have uh, wonderful things. So you could do the trunk show and it even says, you know, I want to sign up for a trunk show or I want to sign up to be an ambassador or you could just purchase um, items online. So uh, maybe you just need a birthday gift for your mom in a couple of weeks. (laughs) Go on there, uh, check it out. And then also, I I don't want to end without mentioning the adoption trunk shows. Can you just share that really quick? Yes. Thank you so much for asking about that. So since Noonday Collection started as an adoption fundraiser um, from the beginning, whenever anyone would host a trunk show in honor of adopted family, 10% of the sales from that trunk show go towards the costs of that uh, adoption expense. And, and it's just been so much fun to keep adoption in our DNA. So we would absolutely love for you to host a trunk show. We have just launched our new line, our fall line. It's stunning. It's beautiful. And we are looking for women to host shows and also join us as ambassadors and use your voice to change the world. Yeah. And I think all of us probably know a family um, that is trying to adopt or maybe is in the process of adoption. And so, I mean, feel free to say, hey, I'll host a party for you. <laughs> Come in and let's try to help you raise your money. Because I know it makes such a huge difference when, again, that community comes around and supports us. Yes, it's true. It's, it's really, yeah, about more. It's about way more than the 10%. It really is about being able to bring your community together and share your story. And, you know, it's, it's so much fun because it's such a long journey. It can, it can be, it can be such a long journey. And just to have points along the way when you get to physically gather people and share that story is, is really important. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jessica, for being here and um, just keep doing that imperfectly as you are and as uh, walking in freedom and and courage, just keep going. And I know um, that God will continue to just lead you into amazing things that he has planned for you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our convo today. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Well, friends, how do you feel after listening to that? Full of hope? full of courage? If you enjoyed this highlight reel, I know you'll also be encouraged by more of Jessica's story in her book, Imperfect Courage. Something Jessica said that really stood out to me was instead of asking, why should I? We should ask, why not me? See someone in need? Why not me? Why shouldn't I be the one to help? Friend, how can you use your privileged life today to impact another person? I promise that if you ask that question, God will answer it. God has called each of us to do amazing things, big and small, just like Jessica. For some, they might worry, what if I fail? For others, like Jessica, they may worry, what if I find success? It's not easy to think about having to step out of our comfort zones, isn't it? Instead, I hope that you will take the time to sit before God, to listen to Him, to hear His voice. I love the verse that Jessica shared, and this is going to be our walk it out verse of the day. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that, that we should walk in them. 
what good has God prepared for you beforehand, before the creation of this world, God has good plans for you. I pray that you'll spend time with God and seek him. I pray that you'll ask him to show you the answer to that because the the Bible promises that there is one. Now, here is my my prayer. Lord, I am so thankful for Jessica and her story. I'm thankful that she dared to walk out what you called her to do, even if it was with imperfect courage. I pray that we all may step out with imperfect courage. In all areas, Lord, you desire for us to obey and follow you with no requirements that we do it perfectly. In fact, none of us could achieve that if we even attempted to do it perfectly. Yet, I wonder today how many people are falling short of their potential and the good works you created for them to do because of fear. It's time to put those fears aside, and I pray that you'll help us do that. Lord, I pray that you'll help each listener to stop focusing on the fear and instead focus on your face, on your love, and on your good plans. Also, let us not forget to use whatever influence we already have to impact others. I pray, Lord, that we may do this in your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, friend, for tuning in to Walk It Out today. As always, you can find out more information about me on my website, which is just trishagoyer.com, and know that you can find me on any social media sites like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter under Trisha Goyer. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. Um, Find a link. You can find all the links on walkitoutpodcast.com. Look at Jessica's story. Email it. Post it on Facebook. Share it with a friend that maybe is struggling with whether or not God has called them to do something. I know there's so many people that can be encouraged by Jessica's story. And also, if you haven't had a chance to read Walk It Out, I hope that you will get a chance. And it, God really showed me that he had good plans for me to do, that he had all these things assigned, whether it was adopting kids, starting a pregnancy center, writing books, even starting this podcast. And it just took those steps of faith with imperfect courage to do those things. So I pray that you will read, walk it out, and then look at your own life and find out the ways God is just opening doors before you, maybe doors that you haven't even seen before. Now, all of this, the podcast, the book, is because of my wonderful publisher, David C. Cook. So I'd love for you to check them out. David C. Cook is a nonprofit publisher spreading God's word in over 100 countries. So thank you, friend, for being here. Thank you for listening. And thank you for all that you are doing and being an influence to those around you. Have a great week. Today's podcast was edited and produced by Author Media. Opening and closing music is from the song Wide Open Space by Life Worship, used with permission from Integrity Music.